Tonight's reading is from Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 to 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. This is God's word. Amazing. Thank you so much. Well, why don't we pray? Let's ask for God's help tonight. Father, please help us with these extraordinary words in front of us. Please, by your spirit, would you give us minds that can understand and hearts that are ready to believe what you say and that this would transform us tonight. We want to be changed by you and by what you say in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, this is a great passage, right? (laughs) What a great thing to be asked to preach on. And in some ways, it'd be easy to sort of jump straight in and go, yeah, look at the details. But let's not chuck all of our normal patterns of reading the Bible out of the window. Right? We're serious about reading the Bible properly. And so let's, let's ask the questions that we should always ask when we come to any passage of the Bible. Who, who was this written to? What's it for? And so it's important to realize as we dive into the book of Revelation, you are reading a letter, a letter that is written to churches who are struggling, suffering. Some churches who are beginning to abandon Jesus, whose first love for Jesus has grown lukewarm. Some churches who have teaching growing within them that is distorting the good news of Jesus. Some churches that are beginning to welcome immorality and idolatry into their churches. Some churches that are being persecuted by vicious enemies. That's who this is written to. And Revelation chapter 1 tells us that it's written in order that the church might have great endurance and patience. The book of Revelation is not written to kind of be an interesting book to answer your questions about the future, where we go, oh, that's interesting. The book of Revelation is written to people who know what it's like to live in a world where it's hard. You see, you only need patience and endurance when things are hard. Look, I know you're not supposed to use your kids in sermon illustration. (laughs) Trying to encourage my kids to run a 5K park run, it's hard, right? So about 100 meters in, Josiah needs a bit of encouragement. <laughs> You've got to keep going, be patient. But they don't, I, I don't do that when they're having a great time. You know, we're, when we're at a theme park and we're enjoying a roller coaster, whatever it is, I don't go, come on, just patiently endure. No, we're having a great time. You need patience and endurance when things are hard. So that means that revelation is written to people whose experience of life in this world is hard. Is that you tonight? 
Are you someone who's trying to follow Jesus, but it's just so hard? Revelation 22 has a clue within it why life in this world is so hard. And what I want to do is take one phrase that's in the middle of this, use this to sort of then build an understanding of what's going on, and then we'll see the four details around it. The central phrase I really want to zoom in on is there in verse 3. Here is this great vision of the future, this great promise of what lies ahead. And here is what verse 3 says. No longer will there be any curse. No longer will there be any curse. Okay, now, use your brains. Let's think this through. What does that mean about the world we're currently living in? Presumably, if there is a day coming when there will no longer be any curse, we live currently in a world that is under a curse. We live in a cursed world. Now, of course, when we hear the word curse, we can kind of think, oh, weirdy, weirdy. No, it's not weird. It means God's right, settled judgment. We live in a world that is under God's judgment, under God's disapproval. That's why life's hard. You see, humanity, when we have rejected the God who made us, now lives not under God's smile, but rather under his frown. And curse, this is the image I want us to just kind of work through tonight. Do you know what shape curse is? This is the shape. It's like that. It's a, it's, a, it's a sad face. And what I mean by that is so much of our experience of life in this world is that shaped. So we enjoy some good things, right? There's things that are good and we go, this is nice, this is nice, and then it finishes. That's what makes your life hard, Right? The reason your life is painful and the reason that you struggle, and if it isn't at the moment, the reason it definitely will be at some point is because we live in a world that is that shaped. So let's, let's just work that through a little bit. Think about that in terms of satisfaction. Isn't your experience of satisfaction that shaped? You get a bowl of Haagen-Dazs ice cream. Ah, Haagen-Dazs. It feels great. I'm anticipating. I'm anticipating. I've got it in the bowl. I'm eating the first spoonful. But even as I eat the first spoonful, it's slightly spoiled by the fact that I know it's going to end. The bowl will be empty. It's so great. It's so great. It's it's gone. (laughs) And that is why. That That is the curse that we live in. A world where we are thirsty, but it doesn't satisfy. I'm going on holiday. It's amazing. It's amazing. I'm so excited. I'm on the plane. I'm there. I'm there. I'm on my way home. That's the shape. And I can take those slightly more trivial examples, but you know that's true of everything you experience in this life. It doesn't matter what it is, and it doesn't matter how good it is, and it doesn't matter how high the peak is. The curse of what we live in in this world is that it will not satisfy you. Or or what about 
suffering. You see, actually the shape of our lives is that we're born, we live, we grow, and then we die. It all heads that direction. It heads down. And a a lot of us in this room, we're still on this bit of life, okay? It's difficult to engage with this bit because we're still in this bit. But the trouble is that the curse means you will die. That's the shape. Or what about human power? Let's think about human power for a second. Think about human rulers. Every human ruler that rises eventually falls. Kingdoms come and then they go. And evil tyrants rise and take control and then they go. And then another one rises. It's a bit like the game. It's the worst game in the world. The, the, the game um, that you play at birthday parties as a kid. I don't know if you played this. I played this as a child. It was awful. I still remember it and I still struggle. We sat in a circle and in the middle was put a bar of chocolate. You know the game. Hat, scarf, gloves. If you don't know this game, you're blessed. You're very, very blessed. <laughs> Hat, scarf, gloves, knife and fork, chocolate. Sit around in a circle, dice. We're rolling a dice. If you roll a six, you run up. You put the hat, scarf, and gloves on, and you start to get the knife and fork, and you start to eat, chop the chocolate and begin to ah, eat it, right? It's, but all the time, that the dice is being passed on and, and rolled and rolled and rolled until someone goes, six! And they come running up, and they grab the scarf, and like this, and your hat, and you rip your hair out, and you have to go and sit back down because your time is finished. It is the worst way to eat chocolate. I genuinely, I nearly got to a point with my mum and said, look, can we just divide the bar of chocolate into as many kids as there are? We'll just each have our bit, and then we can just enjoy it, rather than eating a bit that someone else has dribbled on anyway. But look, <laughs> that's what human powers are like, right? They come, and then they go. The great empires of this world. Here's the Babylonian Empire with Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, it's gone. Because now here come the Medes and the Persians. Oh, they've gone. Here comes Greece. Oh, now that's gone. Here comes Rome. Oh, now that's gone. And on and on it goes. They look so powerful, but they go, because we live in a cursed world. Nothing, nothing lasts. No human throne lasts, which means there's no security in human leaders. There's no satisfaction in this world. There is death and suffering in this world. There is always going to be injustice because human leaders come and go. And fourthly, You just can't escape darkness. You just can't escape darkness. I think it's one of the things I find most disturbing about living, trying to follow Jesus in this world. I see darkness all around me, but more profoundly, I see darkness inside me. I get so disappointed with myself. There's so much that I I long to be. I long to have a heart that loves Jesus with absolute purity. It doesn't. I hate it when I find myself being proud or when I see another church and it's doing better than my church and there's something in me that goes, I hate it. There's darkness and this darkness, you know, I have moments where things are good but it always feels like darkness seems to win. I hope you can see this shape, right? 
Imagine a world where there was no curse. You see, a world where there's no curse has a different shape. A world where there's no curse has this shape. That, by the way, is the symbol of Nike. Nike. Is it Nike or Nike? Whatever, you know. That is the symbol. There's a reason they chose the tick, the swoosh, as a symbol rather than the droop. (laughs) The droop is not quite so attractive because actually there's something in us that although everything in our world is shaped in a droop, there's something in us that longs for a swoosh. What is a swoosh? It's a world with no curse. It's a world where things get better, not worse. A A world where good things don't end. Imagine that. Revelation 22 says to Christians living in a cursed world, there is a world coming where there will be no more curse. I want you to see how precious that is. So let's look at the four details that are put around that no curse in Revelation 22. I want you to see this with me. The Apostle John is writing, he says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city, the river of life, with water as clear as crystal. A water that if you could drink it, you would be satisfied eternally. A water that doesn't run out, a water that doesn't disappoint, a water that doesn't end, but a water that brings you a contentment that you have never experienced in this world. Why? Because the source of the water of life is God himself. And from God on his throne and the lamb, the water flows, a river as clear as crystal. You see, the reason that nothing in this world will satisfy is because we're trying to find satisfaction from a source that doesn't come from God. This is always what human beings have done. They did it in Jeremiah's day when he said, why are you drinking from a muddy puddle? What are you doing? You're never going to be satisfied by that. And God says there will be a day when there will be a river that's as clear as crystal. It will come from God and you will drink freely and you will drink deeply. Come to me, all you who are thirsty, and drink. Drink of the water of life that will satisfy you. Can you imagine stooping down and getting a handful of that water of life and drinking it and being satisfied? And a satisfaction that goes swoosh. No more longings, no more unfulfilled desires, no more ache for something that you don't have because you've got it all in this life that God has promised you. There's the river and then there's the tree of life. The tree of life that is on either side of the river. It's difficult to imagine quite what this looks like, but that's because Revelation is a vision. It's not a, it's not a video. It's, a, it's a, a description using words to try and paint this description of this tree. And do you see what the tree of life is for? The tree of life is for the healing of the nations. The tree of life is what takes a world that is 
sick. And a world where there is pain and a world where there is suffering and the tree of life brings healing. So for those of you who know what it is like to suffer, and some of you, you live with chronic pain, chronic suffering. Imagine a day when you can eat from a tree that will heal you completely. When there will be no more pain. When all suffering is finished. You see, in our world, everything is heading towards death. But in this new world, everything's heading towards life. It moves that direction. Okay, what's the third thing? Verse three, no longer will there be any curse. The throne, here's a throne. The throne of God and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There's a throne. In this city, there's a throne and sitting on the throne is God and the lamb. And this is unlike any human throne. This is not a throne that is going to be overthrown. This is not a God who is going to be usurped or defeated. His reign will never end. So if you have ever experienced someone who rises to power and uses their power to bring injustice and suffering, here is the God who now rules and brings perfect justice. And his reign will never end. You see, even when you get a good king in this world or a good leader in this world, the trouble is they're not going to be there forever. They keep dying. Here's the God who will not die, who will always reign. So you will live in this new world where there is perfect satisfaction and contentment because there's the water of life. There is perfect healing because there is the tree of life. There is perfect justice because there is the throne of God. And you will see his face. This isn't a king who keeps you away. You know when they put barriers up around London? They do it all the time. Don't you? you see some barriers? You know, honestly, there's some people, I think, whose job it is just to go and put barriers out and then pick them up and take them away again. And off we put them out again. And whenever I see a barrier, I think to myself, I wonder which important person they want to keep me away from today. That barrier is there because someone that I'm not allowed to get very near to is about to go past In the new world, there'll be no barrier between you and God. You'll see him. You'll see his face. That is a remarkable thing for the Bible to say because earlier in the Bible, no one could see God's face and live. And yet here now, there is an intimacy and a closeness and a nearness. God, the God of creation, will come and dwell with us. That's what Ben read to us in Revelation 21. God's throne will now be in the city. We'll walk. It's right there in the city. There are no bodyguards or security or gates, just God. Perfectly giving justice so that you will live in security. You will live in, with no fear. And then the last thing, verse five, there will be no more night. No more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever.
You see, in this ongoing battle between light and darkness, which has been repeated every day, morning, evening, morning, evening, light, dark, light, dark, where does it end? Which one wins? Light. Light wins. That's where the great story is heading. That's where the great new world will be, where there will just be light. There'll be no one hiding in the corner. There'll be no dodgy deals. There'll be no one plotting harm. There'll be no one abusing or seeking to do injustice. There will be light, and there will be light within me too. No longer will I have a desire for what is wrong. Just light. That's what it means when it says there will be no more curse. Perfect satisfaction. Perfect healing, perfect justice, perfect light in God's new world. And in some ways we could finish there, except that I have a confession to make. I find it really hard to believe that. I find it really hard. And the reason I find it hard is because it just, it sounds so distant. It sounds so unreal. And sometimes I sit there and I try and imagine what it's going to be like. And I'm like, I can't even, I can't imagine it. I can't, I really want to believe it. I I want to be excited about it. But I find myself thinking, really? Is, Is that real? What do we do with that? Let me just take this last few minutes to show you how you can be sure. You see, actually, if all we had was this, and someone came along and said, don't worry, there's a lovely new world coming. Don't believe that. How do you know that? That's nonsense. But what if? What if you have already seen a swoosh in world history? What if you've already seen this shape? What if all that is promised has already been seen? on the pages of our world. You see, the fascinating thing about Revelation 22, and this is the thing that's really gripped me about this chapter, is that everything Revelation 22 says is all tied to the work that Jesus has already done. It's all tied to him. Because when Jesus came into this world and he came to live in this cursed world and Jesus came and he lived under the curse. He lived in this world. A world of suffering and pain and frustration. A world of injustice, a world of darkness. Jesus came and he lived in this world. He experienced this But then on the cross as he died, the Bible says that he became a curse for us. He became a curse. So what happened at the cross, this curse which 
envelops our world because of our wrong and our sin, suddenly is enveloping Jesus. He is experiencing it. He is experiencing the down of death and the down of suffering and the down of darkness. And if he'd stayed dead, we'd have gone, well, there's another one. But he didn't. Because on the third day, he went swoosh. Jesus went from death to life. No one else does that. You can't do that. No one can do that because we live under a curse. But Jesus is the one who takes the curse, then breaks the curse, then beats the curse and rises and swooshes out of the grave to life forevermore. You see, Tonight, you're not being asked to simply believe that there's a nice world coming. You're being asked to believe that Jesus has already in history beaten the curse. He's done it for you so that as you trust him, you can look forward to this world. This swoosh, this is the shape. And it's funny, isn't it? Because... Every human heart longs for that. I don't know you, most of you, tonight, but your heart longs for that shape. You love that shape. Even though we live in a world of curse, we all know we live in a curse, but we all long for swoosh. All of your friends who aren't here tonight but are off doing something else, they all long for a swoosh. Let me prove it to you. In... um, in a global, in a financial crash, what do you think happened to lottery sales? This is 2008, but in the financial crash 2008, what happened to lottery sale tickets? People have got less money, so they buy more tickets. Why? Because the lottery promises you resurrection. It promises you swoosh. You could go from your miserable life to this. Why do people go on the telly and, and, and stand in front of Simon Cowell and sing? I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. And you're like, you can't sing, let alone fly. And you're like, how is this? Why are you doing this? Why are you humiliating yourself? Why do people love this? Why, do, why is it so popular? I know that we might sit and go, oh, but we wouldn't watch that. But we still, there's something in us that's appealing. And the stories that are most attractive are the, I used to stack shelves in Asda. My life was so empty. But now this. Why do we love it? Because Simon Cowell has the power of resurrection. He is able to take you from this and take you to here. But it's only a fake resurrection. Because ultimately it goes, and we think it's resurrection and we settle for resurrections that aren't resurrections. Because we ache for this swoosh. And we've got the one swoosh that actually is a swoosh. Jesus and his resurrection. And it might not be those things, but why do we kind of aspire to a great career? Why do we emigrate to Australia? I'm not having go anyone who's emigrated. Apologies if you've emigrated, but just saying, you know, we think if I could leave this old life behind, I can go to this. And we're constantly looking for something that will get me to here, that will get me to here. And I promise you, it's only Jesus who can do that. Because only Jesus has beaten death. No one else has done that. And so tonight, isn't it interesting 
But when Jesus was on earth, he said, if anyone's thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Who is the water of life? The river of life is Jesus. He is the river that you come and drink from. And you can begin to drink from that today and have a foretaste of the great future that lies in store. But Jesus is the water of life. And if you're thirsty and when you find your heart aching and you find yourself disappointed and discontent, you run to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need to drink you. I'm thirsty. And who is the king who sits on the throne of the universe. It's the one who left the throne to come and wash your feet. It's the one who came to serve you. That's how you know he won't abuse you, because he died for you. When you find a king who loves you enough to die for you, you better follow him and worship him. That's a king worth trusting. And so here is the king. Jesus is the king who was raised to be king forever. And who is the one who is the tree of life, the one who brings healing, who breaks the curse of death? It's Jesus. Who is the one who said, I am the light of the world. If anyone follows me, they will never walk in darkness. It's Jesus. Everything about this new world is Jesus. It's all him. What is being described is Jesus and your life with him forever. So tonight, perhaps you find it really hard to believe that there's a future world, that you find it really hard to believe you'd love to. Okay, the simple question is this. It's not do you believe in this future world. It's do you believe Jesus rose from the dead? If he rose from the dead, then all of this is true because this is what his resurrection was about. Tonight, I want to plead with you and encourage you and call on you to believe him. And where you struggle to believe in that future hope, don't sit in a room and try and imagine it and kind of go, go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm struggling to believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I want to live more fully in the light of what you've won for me. I want to know the swoosh. Uh, And even if there's struggle now, patient endurance so that I might know the swoosh that's coming. You see, that is the shape. And sometimes we can envy those who are up here But if they're not trusting Jesus, it's not going to last. And when you struggle and you go through the valley, you look for the swish, you look for the resurrection, he will take you. This is good. And this will set us free. This will set us free from trying to find satisfaction in all the stuff that we normally look to. It will set us free from kind of all the fears and anxieties that we might struggle with as we look at others and compare ourselves to others. Look to Jesus. Have patience and great endurance. So where are you, where are you feeling the curse tonight? Discontentment? Is that you? Suffering? You're going through it at the moment? Injustice, a sense of darkness. Where are you feeling the curse? Look to Jesus. He's beaten the curse so that one day you'll live with him in a world where there's no more curse. Oh man, doesn't our world need this? Doesn't London need this? We've got such good news. I don't know why we're so miserable about it. Let's tell people. This is... It's like, this is amazing. 
Let's go for it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we feel the curse. We feel the weight of it. We feel our own sin and our own darkness. We experience suffering and discontentment. Father, thank you that you've promised a world where there'll be no more curse. And Father, we ask that as we wait for that perfect world to come, that we would cling to Jesus, that we would drink from Jesus, that we'd eat Jesus, the tree of life, that we would trust him as the king of kings, that we would know and follow him as the light of the world. Lord Jesus, would you be our hope because you are the one who will take us home. We love you, we trust you, and we wanna go and make this news known. In your precious name, King Jesus, amen.